Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And now. The Rest Stop with Brad Restituto. Seven years. Handoff. Damian Williams trying to get to the edge. Breaks a tackle. 35 30. Damian Williams 20. Stays in bounds. 15. 10. 5. Touchdown. Kansas City. And the snap goes high over the head of Big Ben. All the way back to the 2 to the 1. And the Browns have it in the end zone. And they dive on the ball and recover it for a touchdown. Carl Joseph's got it in the end zone. Derek looks left. Derek going to throw for the end zone. Caught! It is caught! Touchdown! <laughs> it is April 27th, 2021. It's Tuesday, and this is the rest stop. Welcome aboard. I'm Brad Restituto. Spencer Ostrovsky joins me, as always, every Tuesday and Thursday, 9 to 10 o'clock Pacific time. Make sure you follow us on twitch.tv slash Chris Landry Football. Subscribe and like to there. Also, the YouTube channel, Brad the Believer. We post all the podcasts every Tuesday and Thursday after the shows. They'll be uh, streamed on YouTube afterwards. So make sure you like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. And then we're also live on Twitter at Brad the Believer and on the Facebook, Brad Restituto. Got a good show tonight for you. We are going to give some comments on one of the more disturbing videos I saw over this last week. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit NBA from the last couple days, some highlights. And then towards the end of the show, we're going to get into the interview I had with Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. Of course, the main uh, sponsor and head of the Twitch channel and draft guru expert, former scout in the front office with the Cleveland Browns, also with the Tennessee Titans, Houston Oilers. So we had a nice little conversation about the upcoming draft, which is this Thursday, and then goes through the weekend, Friday and Saturday. So we'll play that for you towards the end of the show tonight. Um, Spence, let's let's get right to it with this video. Um, something disturbing I saw over the weekend, and we'll kind of give uh, some of our comments here and tell me what, what you saw and, and what you heard about this. Let's go ahead and, and get right to it. Okay, I'll play video number one. Stop it! Stop it! 
Spence, uh, this was at the Miami International Airport, uh, I believe sometime over the weekend or last week. Um, how does this happen? How, how do you have a brawl that, that goes on probably for a few minutes and there's nobody there to break it up? I see no cops, no security. I mean, this is crazy at an airport. I mean, would you agree? <laughs> this is nuts. I mean, we talked about this before, like on a phone call and like these people are going to be on a no-fly list for who knows how long, like maybe forever. Right. I, I don't know if it'll be that harsh, but obviously for a very, very long foreseeable time, these people will not be able to travel the country via plane, which can be a huge hindrance. Like there's a lot of events that happen in people's lives where you need to take an airplane. But I don't know. I mean, that's a total failure on the airport's part, obviously. And then uh, the other part of the video that really stands out to me is just the people who are standing around doing nothing about it. Stop it. Stop it. Like, come on, dude. It's like. If I was fighting somebody in an airport and I was like in that part of my mind where I'm like, okay, I'm going to fight in an airport. I'm not going to wait till someone screams stop it for me to do anything about it. It's like you're really truly doing nothing about it. And, uh, you know, like either you go run to find security or you do nothing or you go in and try to stop it yourself. Like there's only a few options here. I don't think one of them is just scream and shout about it like you're some sort of national hero when obviously it was falling on deaf ears uh, between these people having this conflict. Yeah, Spence, let's talk about those options. You're you're a passenger at an airport. You're going there to catch a flight for whatever reason, and you see a rumble breaking out at your gate. And, like, what do you do? At first, I'm sure most people are, are paralyzed with just um, confusion. Like, what do I do here? Like, what's the right thing? Do I just sit here? Um, do I, like, attempt to intervene? Do I find security? It's like sometimes it may take – you know, 30 minute, 30 seconds to a minute to like actually process what's going on. I mean, what are the appropriate responses here from your vantage point? Uh, I really don't know. I really can't say. I mean, like, where's the staff, I guess, is the real question. Were they the ones screaming out to stop? I, I, it's like, shouldn't there be somebody at the terminal to like take care of that, to make a phone call? You would think you'd hear that in the video, like someone being like, security, please, like, there's a big conflict going on, but like none of that was going on. It kind of seemed empty in that part of the airport. Just makes you wonder like what's going on over there and like, how are they not prepared? You know, the whole process of getting into the airport is such a pain in, in the, um, in the tushy. Uh, and like these things are, can even go on inside. So it's like, how safe do any of us even really feel if there was an actual conflict? Let's say like you take it all the way to the top level. Let's say someone was like armed or someone had a knife. 
same situation. This guy's going on a rampage. Like, how fast does it take for security to get to one terminal to take care of some sort of conflict? And clearly, like, a very long time, longer than it should, because we know there's police officers inside of a poli- inside of an airport. You pass by them when you go to your terminal. So it's very peculiar, honestly. Spence, can we play a little more of what you got over there? This is the, the Miami airport brawl at one of the gates uh, that happened over over the last week. Just just insane video that popped up on social media. Hey, 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 stop! Why are you? Then why why do they? that guy at the end is killing me it's like what do you do if you're gonna if i'm gonna intervene in some sort of fight to try to stop it i'm not hugging the guy and just like come on like rip him off dude like you're in a position of power there he's got your back to you like he definitely would have had the ability to just slam that guy not to the ground but clearly to get him off it was people are just We've acted so strangely. I don't know if it's the pandemic and that we've all been inside of our homes. We've all seen too much Amazon or something like that. But I just feel like because you're putting yourself at risk, right? Like when you jump in to like try to get this fight off, like I think that would be the first thing that goes to your mind. If I jump in, I might also not be on a no fly list because who knows what happens? Maybe he swings at me and I have to defend myself. Uh, But if you make that commitment, like make it, dude, like go like stop the fight because it's between those two people in that video. I know there's another one going on elsewhere. Again, I, I get it. I mean, it's a hard situation to be in, but I, I don't think people acted appropriately enough. We talked about it on that show. Like, if someone saw a police officer doing something super inappropriate, would they stop by? When you see stuff like this, uh, it, to me, the answer is clearly nothing. Uh, Spence, do we know the origins of this this brawl here? Like, what started this, and how are these guys getting uh, into this? It's like. There's 15 people involved, it looks like. Do we ha- have any idea how, how this started or why it continued like it did? Yeah, give me one moment and I'll see if I can do a little research here and see if I can find a quick well, answer. While you're doing that, what is up with the, the multiple people filming this? Like, I mean, what the... F- <laughs> what oh, the- that's, just the, that's the world we live in today where everything is caught on 4K, so... Uh, that that's always going to be there. I mean, not in the digital age and even I really hate, I really dislike it too. I mean, there's like just, obviously there's no privacy anymore. That's long gone. Um, option to leave one of them behind for undetermined the, reasons. Like people like literally don't know. It looks like, like they just started a brawl. Yeah. The, the cyborg just uh, checked but, in. Yeah. My, my man, Julius uh, just, just gave a, a like to the podcast. If he's still on there, uh, hopefully he makes it back out to Vegas. This is the the gentleman uh, I told you about Spence that I grew up with that came to Vegas and walked from circus circus all the oh. way to <laughs> MGM and then back to stratosphere. I mean, uh, we definitely need to get some type of promotion for him to promote his own line of shoes that uh, allow him to walk uh in that fashion around Las Vegas and, and live to tell the story happily. Uh, to me, it's insane to even consider, but he was able to do it. He was here a few weeks ago. So my man, Julius checking in from Nashville, hopefully he uh, makes it back out to Vegas by the end of the year. So Spence, uh, let's, uh, let's move on to some sports stuff here as uh, we transition out of that crazy airport brawl video that happened uh, over the week in, in Miami. And, uh, 
there's what what can you say about that? You just kind of shake your head. Where at this day and age, and, and people are are still getting to that point. They have no respect for anything. Their surroundings. They're just. I, I feel like the people involved are very fortunate that things did not get uglier when it comes to police or security. Because as far as I knew, um, they take that type of behavior in airports very seriously and, and don't stand for it whatsoever. But clearly there was nobody around for this situation. Spence, I want you to play a few highlights from tonight's action, but also some stuff from la- last night, I believe it was. The Grizzlies were in action. John Morant had an unbelievable play. I had to watch it like three or four times over. What If it wasn't – was it last night against Denver? I think it was, yeah. I think this was from last well, night's game. It was in a loss, one twenty ninety six. But we may have to play this a couple times because at full <laughs> speed, this is just an it, – it's a mind-blowing play. How he's able to pull it off blows me away. Play John Morant's highlight from last night, Grizzlies versus Nuggets, Spence. Man. How does he make that move? How does he make that move? Yeah, we're thinking that. We're, we're thinking that. Well, Spence, yeah, you play went right in the middle there. You didn't get the full effect. Is that all we got? Yeah, I think that's I think that's the highlight that was posted uh, on online at least. Uh, you'll see it though. I mean, he, he gets the wrap around and then he goes into the basket. I'll play one more time. Man, how does he make that move? How how does he make that move? Yeah, we're thinking that. We're we're thinking that he he was coming coming down kind of on a break at full speed. And went behind the back uh, through the defense and laid it up at full speed. It was incredible. So uh, we'll have to get, we'll get that another time. But we're we're coming down to the to the home stretch of the NBA season before we get into the playing games. We've only got about uh, less than ten games or so remaining, around ten games remaining for some. And remember, the seventh, eighth, ninth, and tenth seeds in each conference will play for two spots in the playing games and. Uh, the Celtics tonight, they're not necessarily they don't necessarily have anything locked up. So a couple of their big starters were out tonight uh, with Jason Tatum sitting in the Thunder, who had lost 14 in a row, get a win on the road in Boston, 119-115 in surprising fashion. Uh, the Bucks take care of business. Milwaukee, they beat Charlotte 114-104. The Blazers, Anthony Simons was fantastic for Portland, nine of ten from three. They beat the Pacers 133-112. The Pacers pretty much had like one healthy guy playing six or seven guys. They're, they are falling fast, and they may be finding themselves out of the, the playing game for the Eastern Conference playoffs. The Brooklyn Nets, they beat the Raptors 116-103. KD back in the lineup. He had a double-double with 17 points, 10 rebounds. The T-Wolves, Spence, they get a win. They're, they're at full strength now. They've won a, a couple games. They upset the Jazz the other night. They were only a two-point favorite tonight. It looked like it, it was a good bet. Uh, the Rockets made a run in the third quarter, but Minnesota pulled away in the fourth. They won 114-107. And uh, a nice effort in the second half from the Warriors. They only scored 29 points the entire first half tonight in the second half of the TNT Tuesday doubleheader. The Dallas Maverick came, Mavericks came out on fire. Um, they outscored Golden State 62-29 uh, to in the first half. They won the game 133 133- 103 over the Warriors. Warriors really needed this game tonight, Spence, and, and they dropped it. So do you have some highlights from tonight where we can uh, kind of go over some of the action? 
Yeah, and the funny thing I wanted to say about the John ja Moran highlight is when you told me to pick up the highlight, the first thought I had was uh, which one because the guy is just yeah, – He's a highlight He's real. good for two he's or three a night. And I think he has a really long way to go, and that's just me being like a critical Grizzlies fan, I think. But he's, he's not going to – the Grizzlies really need like a Brandon Ingram type of player because I think you have a lot of solid foundation from Jaron defensively. And then John Morant will just get all of these easy buckets because he's simply just faster than everybody on the court. His three-point game is developing. His handles, we all know, are fantastic as well. His passing is like he has great vision, but he has a lot of bad turnovers too. I think that comes from being a young player. Uh, but he's not going to get you that crazy bucket like Kyrie or KD does. Uh, and I think the team needs to recognize that as soon as possible and try to fill that hole, hopefully at the small four position. I think they want it to be Dylan Brooks, but he's just not good enough to do that. Uh, but we can go through uh, the, the NBA tonight. Anthony Simons, as you mentioned, almost broke an NBA record, if you can believe that. He almost made 10 straight threes. Uh, so that 10th one, at 9 of 10, was his last shot. So unfortunately, he tied the record, but take a look. His level of professionalism and the, the strength mentally. Oh, make it 9. Simons ties the NBA record for most threes made without a miss. Nine for nine, pitching a perfect game from outside. <laughs> I'm not sure how bad his miss was on the 10th one, but you have to imagine it was the basketball gods trying to uh, maybe whiff that the other way to keep a record or something like that. Incredible uh, you performance that, by him tonight. Yeah, and a guy who just would never expect to have tied an NBA record like for any category, for anything ever. But hey, what do you know? Uh, and then you mentioned that Thunder game, that 14-game losing streak. The Celtics are just so disappointing, and I'm not even a fan of them. But I know you don't have Tatum. I know you don't have Kemba Walker, but you got everybody else. I mean, you have Fournette who steps in to that uh, bigger role. We know he's been the starter for so long there. Uh, but I, I would like to talk about the Thunder for a second because I think they do have a, a few decent pieces. I like Baisley. I like Dort. And then Shea Gilgis-Alexander, we know, is like one of the best young players in the league. So – they get a lot of bad rep and people think they're blatantly tanking. I guess they are, but I mean, they are just using the guys on the roster. There's a lot of G league people, but I think if you can move forward and maybe get a star player to go next to Shea Gilligas, Alexander, the Dorts and Baisley's of the world will move you forward and help. Like once you get into the playoffs and doing those kind of dirty plays and getting into the trenches for the team to help them succeed in the future. Dort, he floats it up. That one was almost picked off. Baisley sees the rim and hammers it home. Wow. We talk about a play that was almost a busted lay. So, yeah, really good highlight there. They love young athletic wings. They're going to have to figure something out. They're going to have to start packaging some picks for some players, which I think they will, although they're going to get more for Al, uh, for Al Horford, who I think they still own next season. They will be trading he actually left the team voluntarily. He's just like using their facilities and waiting for next season to go on a different team. Uh, but once they get the picks from that, then they're going to have to start making some moves because you're not going to draft 26 guys in the next three years. It's as simple as that or over the next six years, whatever the case may be. Uh, but moving on, that Hornets game you talked about was actually really, really close. So they were up by 17 at halftime. And I think uh, it was about 10 going into the fourth. And the Hornets got uh, fairly close. I'll play a few highs from this game. Uh, and it, it was really enjoyable basketball game. Really one of those great just mid-afternoon ones. You're aggressive to the ball. It's, it's, it's something that you've got to fix. Giannis the flush. Because you all have already talked about the wall tonight. Played against cheat zones. <laughs> I was going to say, you never saw the Lakers. Angulate around Giannis. He gets through and has to deal with two and beat. 
Middleton gets into the honeycomb mm -hmm. and finds is working very well. Lopez has 14 points. DiVincenzo. Talk about it. The unsung hero for the Milwaukee Bucks, if you've been watching them uh, quite a bit, and I bet them a lot, so I watch a lot of their games, is uh, Bobby Portis, a guy who was buried on the bench last year for the New York Knicks, who we know were a dumpster fire because of their coaching situation. They've kind of gotten that figured out now, and he's found himself a really nice role. He might stay there for a long time because he, he may think that this is like the place where his career kind of really got its big stepping stone. He was okay for the Bulls for a while, terrible for the Knicks, and now he's looks like a really good offensive threat defensively he hasn't been great but the fact that he's stepping out from a three and he still has all of his athleticism i think will go a really long way for the bucks and he'll have regular playoff minutes in my opinion uh and uh, not much highlights from the mavericks game of course because it was just was a blowout from the start yeah spence before we hit our interview with chris landry of course covering the draft that comes up this thursday over the last weekend, UFC 261, an incredible card put on in Jacksonville, Florida by Dana White in the UFC. Uh, Kamar Usman in the main event against Jorge Masvidal. If I can get it spit out. <laughs> spit it out. Jeez. Uh, Rose <laughs> Namajunas, she fought against uh, Young Wale for uh, one of the women's titles. And also there was another women's uh, matchup. And I don't know why it's slipping my mind at the moment. Um I don't know. Um, I'm uh, having a brain freeze tonight, I guess, Spence. Uh, but uh, was it, it Valentina Shevchenko? That's right, Shevchenko. <laughs> She's a monster. She was awesome. She was awesome. She beat uh, Jessica Andrade uh, early, I believe, in the first round, uh, TKO. Just a fantastic card all around, Spence. Um, were you able to get uh, some stuff from that? I, I was really, I really loved the reaction by Rogan. Um, and the announced team, John Amick and Daniel Cormier, when Nama Yunus, with a leg kick, knocked out Wele for the title, her first defeat in the UFC. If you have that, I'd love to play it or anything else you got from UFC 261. Fantastic card in Jacksonville over the weekend. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a post on Twitter, but Rose Namajunas, big underdog, uh, with a, just a really quick leg kick to the face, knocked, finished Wele uh, early in the fight, and she was just all over the place, didn't know what happened, and was so upset at the stoppage, but a, a great stoppage, and two-time champ Namajunas in that division as she beat Joanna uh, jo Janjacek um, in a championship fight uh, a while back. Lost to Andrade, the title, and now regained it back from Wele over the weekend in UFC 261. And then Kamar Usman in impressive fashion, one of the most impressive knockouts um, you'll see. It's been posted all over the internet, a, uh, pretty much a straight right to the jaw of Masvidal, knocked him out on his feet. It was incredible. Uh, and Spence, you, a couple of gruesome injuries as well. You've got some stuff to show from, from some highlights from 261. Not really a highlight, more like a low light. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can, unfortunately can't show the Usman fight because they'll be targeting that really hard. But I wanted to say about that fight uh, where they seem to have called the fight too early. That's actually one of the things I really like about UFC and why I think you have less um, deaths, like quite literally, because there's like more deaths in boxing than ever before. Like if these guys get knocked out, they have 10 seconds to get back up. So whatever brain damage you've just suffered from a knock, like you literally passed out, uh, they think you're fine to keep going. UFC, like if you get hit pretty hard they will call the fight 
very quickly. It may not make for the greatest television ever, but I think it helps keep the fighters as safe as possible in a sport where you're, you know, beating each other's heads in, of course, and kicking each other. Uh, but I will play one of the more gruesome injuries. So I guess keep in mind if you're sensitive to that kind of stuff, but it's, it's nuts. This, this injury is nuts. Devastating, Spence. That's Chris Weidman, former champion. And, of course, he was involved in a similar incident years back against Anderson Silva. Anderson Silva hit him with a leg kick and snapped his own leg. Terrible injury, but but Weidman seems to be okay. The UFC reported afterwards he got into surgery and, and will be making a recovery. But just a gruesome injury. There was another bad leg injury earlier in the night. But overall, a complete success for UFC 261. And, of course, later next week we'll get – into some other stuff going on in the combat sports world we talked about off air. Floyd Mayweather seems to be getting his feet wet back into the fighting world in an exhibition fashion. So, of course, here in Las Vegas, that's always big news. But uh, in case you missed it, we will not have the rest stop this Thursday as Chris Landry will be having a draft coverage podcast on the Twitch channel. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. We talked to Chris today, so no rest stop this Thursday. We'll, we, we will be back live next Tuesday, but stay tuned to the Twitter, at Brad the Believer, and the Facebook. Uh, I believe I'll be um, on one of a, another local show here on Thursday, SportsX Radio here in Las Vegas, so I'll post some stuff about that for a little bit, talking some draft stuff. And, of course, check out all of Spencer's stuff, uh, Delivering Sports. He has his show on Friday nights and also Blue Milk Boys Gaming on YouTube. But, Spence, let's hit our talk with Chris Landry about this upcoming draft from earlier today. Do you, ha- do you have that, Spence? <laughs> Sorry, just give me oh. one one moment. Sorry, I'm getting this. Uh... Oh, no, no worries. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'll just kind of preface it. Uh, Chris Landry, of course, former scout of uh, the Cleveland Browns and Houston Oilers, Texans. Um, I'm sorry, not Texans. Oilers, Tennessee Titans. Uh, talking about this upcoming draft, of course. Uh, some of the some of the bigger news that we've had, in, in, as far as buzz goes, we've talked countless times on this show with the 49ers moving into the top five uh, in regards to Mac Jones, possibly Trey Lance, Justin Fields. So it's going to be very interesting to see how the draft shapes up in the top three. Will the Patriots move back in? to the top 10 to get a quarterback. Um, really not sure how, how that's going to play out. Spence, are we, are we ready to go with tonight on the rest stop, our premier guest, you can find him at LandryFootball.com and www.twitch.tv slash Chris Landry football. He's got many podcasts on the website that you can consume on any of the podcasting platforms. And he is the absolute draft guru when it comes to Landry football, all the podcasts here and pretty much across the country when it comes to NFL. So I'm looking forward to talking to him tonight as the draft is coming up on Thursday. We've been waiting for a year and it's not virtual now. We have an actual draft live and in person. So we're all fired up about it and it kicks off Thursday night. Nonetheless, without further ado, Chris Landry joining me, Chris, thanks for a little bit of time tonight. Oh, great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate all you do and appreciate having you part of the the channel and uh yeah it's a it's amazing how it's grown you know i i my first draft as a scout was in 1982 
part-time with Blesto, and I, I think often about how things have changed. We didn't, we didn't have cell phones back then. There was no such thing as the internet. We didn't have computers. And now it's just crazy how it is now. I know that's all way before you were even, <laughs> even a thought, but uh, no, it's, it's amazing how, Everybody has thoughts on it and, um, you know, but it's, uh, it's, it's always to me, I always look at it as a process. People look at it as an event, but it's about finding players that, uh, that fit your, your team. And I think people don't realize how many different looking draft boards are out there within the teams. It's a lot different than the stuff that you hear about. And we try to bring that out on LandryFootball.com. But, yeah, good to be with you and uh, talking about the draft. Can't wait to, to get it here. Chris, I, I've got to start with the team and the selection that's kind of had the most buzz over the last couple months. It's certainly got me scratching my head, and it's the San Francisco 49ers that have traded into the top three over a month ago, and there's so many opinions on where they're going to go here. Before you tell me where you think and where they should go, Chris, you know the 49ers and some of their shortcomings with injury, but they were a team that was representing the NFC Conference in the Super Bowl just a couple of years ago. If you were John Lynch and you were making the decision, would you have moved into the top three, number one? And if you would have, who would be your selection if you were the San Francisco 49ers caller at GM? Well, I think the important thing is when you identify the players that fit you that you want, um, you have to go into draft management mode. You first process is evaluate correctly, set the board up correctly, and then go and get your guy. Um, when they made this move, they did it because they had at least three guys that they liked, that they really liked. So when you make the move there, you're guaranteed to get one of them. And, you know, I think it was pretty obvious that there were three quarterbacks that they liked. Now, I think, you know, the guys that are probably going to go right in front of them are two of the three. So they they may like more than than three. They may have four guys that they like. But they, they knew who they were moving up for. Kyle uh, knows Kyle Shanahan is making this decision, not not John Lynch. John is – Kyle was there and, and, and brought in John Lynch. And Kyle not only has the final say, but he's also the quarterback coach and the offensive coordinator. So he – he knows who he wants, um, and, and obviously he'll he'll make that decision on Thursday. But the talk about, you know, they're still debating it, that they're not. I, I think it's a lot of trying to be coy because, and I talked about it on my podcast earlier today, I haven't been there. When, when, when I drafted Steve McNair, it wasn't something that universally everybody in the organization wanted, but you have everybody have their say, and then and you make your decision. I don't think they really want to announce it. I don't think the league likes the idea of you, you know, making it not a real good show when you pretty much know who the first three picks are. So it creates a little intrigue, but they pretty much know. And look, here's the thing. What should they do? It depends upon, and this is the true essence of the draft. And this is what I try to hammer into folks. It's not like people think, well, this is the best guy and these are the best picks. It's not the way it works. What do you want out of your quarterback? It in I that is probably as cerebral as any quarterback since Peyton Manning in terms of seeing the game, understanding the game, making good decisions, getting the ball out quickly, 
you know what he is. And so if you like him, you're embracing the fact that you want to run a pocket offense, you have a clean pocket for in a clean pat, platform to him for throw to get the ball out quickly, accurate on time. And if that's what you want, then he fits that. If you want somebody that's going to be more of a playmaker creating outside platform, well, then you don't want him. It's, as I like to say, not to be cute, it's like going on a car lot. I mean, if you want a pickup, it can show you the best deal on the minivan. It doesn't matter if that's not what you want. And that's truly what the draft is all about. What is it that you want? And sometimes it's not about this guy better than that guy. It's these guys have similar grades, and it's about what are you looking for? So, like, when I put my board together, I look at I'll have, like, 24 first-round grades. That's more than most teams do because the zone-blocking teams are not going to like the man-blocking linemen and vice versa, but you've got to grade them according to what they are. So, Mac Jones is really good at what he does, and then I think the other quarterbacks – or that will be remaining, I think, have different skill sets. Yeah, I, I think universally, probably not everybody likes Mac Jones. I, I, I think Kyle has his plan in mind. It's probably it's either Mac Jones or Trey Lance, but they're two different type guys. And I, I think that they look at Jimmy Garoppolo as a guy that they like, but they don't like the fact that he maybe doesn't process things as quickly as they want. So. I think that's probably a hint of maybe where Kyle's going to go, but I think he could go either direction. I mean, I think that back when, when he was with his dad in Washington, the owner wanted RG three, they moved up to two, if you remember, because you know, they were either going to be luck or, or RG three. They knew it was probably going to be RG three because luck was going to go one, but the guy that Mike and Kyle like was Kirk Cousins. So, um, I, you know, we'll see. Uh, we'll see. It's, uh, maybe Mac Jones. Maybe he surprises folks with Trey Lance. We'll see. Chris, my my problem with this situation is is not going after the player you you like, or even the fact that it's Mac Jones. It's the fact that a month prior to the draft, you give up multiple picks, quite the draft capital to move up to the third spot. Um, I, I can't think of anybody in America three months ago that had Mac Jones or even throughout the season in their top five, as far as overall selection. So we've had a chance to scout Mac Jones through every single game. Nobody's missed anything. He hasn't done anything different necessarily as far as on film the last couple months. And we've already seen why the urgency to give up that much equity to go up to number three, when you possibly could have had a better spot come draft day. Well, first of all, there no the whole thing about well he's moving up that it's really not true. Um, the boards that you read and the people that talk about it on TV they're not scouts, um, and their boards are not what the boards are in the league. Teams don't set their draft boards to the last couple of weeks. I, I'm in there with a lot of those meetings, so how they see them are different. That's the first thing. Two, uh, so the the way the the prevailing thought is about this guy again is better than that guy. That's not the way it really works. Um, they, if they take him, it's obvious because, because they like him and they think he's an elite player. And now maybe some people may say, well, you could get him later where well, you don't know that. Um, I can go back chapter and verse of guys that have quote unquote been overdrafted a little bit at the quarterback position 
and look, if they take Mac Jones, it's either going to work or it's not, you know, in, in the end, you know, the whole thing of, well, is he worth that? I mean, I can go back and, and I remember, um, um, you know, some people were, you know, no one admits to it now, but like really Kansas City's trading up for Patrick Mahomes. You know, no, nobody was talking Patrick Mahomes outside, you know, prior to the draft. So that happens all the time. And so we're going to find out three or four years from now, who's right and who's wrong on a lot of these players. And very often it's the opposite of what people think. Um, there's not a whole lot of difference between Mac Jones and Joe Burrow. Uh, Joe Burrow's a little bit more athletic, a little bit more, a um, little bit more physical, but but they're basically very similar in how they process and the fact they've had a lot of talent around them. Those those things are not the reason why you draft or not draft a guy. It's the transfer to do with the quarterback is the key. And what are his skill sets? And if you're looking again for the skill set of a guy that's accurate, that can throw it on time and make good decisions then you're going to see them a lot differently than maybe the people that are looking at it today as, wait a minute, I want the more athletic. I want to see more Patrick Mahomes type of guy. Well, then that's not Mac Jones. You're not going to, you're not guys that are looking for that are not going to like him. So I do think that most of the teams probably wouldn't have moved up to the top five to take Mac Jones. So what if, if they, if he becomes a really good quarterback for them, no one's going to care if he was taken third, 13th, 23rd, 33rd, or 53rd down the road. If it doesn't work, then it's going to be a real disaster, right? Because they not only didn't work, they moved up for it. It's just kind of the way it is and the price and the cost of doing business. If you want your guy and you, you're going to have security of getting him, you got to go up and get him. So right or wrong will be determined down the road, but now it's all speculation. Chris, the guys that signed the checks, ownership, how are they looking at success from the quarterback position? Statistically, you mentioned a guy like Kirk Cousins. He's a top five quarterback statistically. He does all the things you want as far as yardage, completion percentage. He's got one Monday night football win. He's got one playoff win. Mm -hmm. And the Vikings have not appeared in a Super Bowl in 40 plus years. So on paper, he's successful. Uh, as far as a winning standpoint, uh, that's a different story. So with the 49ers, they were in the Super Bowl less than three years ago. Mm-hmm. If Mac Jones does not get them back there in the next five to ten years, uh, is it fair to say that it was not a success moving up to draft Mac Jones? And, and no doubt. I think it'll be looked at as not a success, no question about it. And the real point is, again, you're looking at different type guys. With Mac Jones, you better – have a good offensive line and they've got some good pieces there. You better have a good pocket to where he can do what he does well, because again, he's not going to create. Um, I think that Kyle thinks that if he had a Kirk cousins type guy, and I think he think Mac, uh, he, he think thinks Mac Jones is a lot like Matt Ryan. Um, and you know, so again, if you put the pieces around him, I think he feels like you, they can go to the Super Bowl and maybe even advance the offense with the progressions that they can do things. Uh, you like Mac Jones if you like him for his mental capability and his ability to throw the football accurate. You don't like the physical part of it. But, yeah, it is about winning or losing. But whether you win or lose or not is going to depend upon how you build a team, and that is the biggest part of it. No, we can – you go back and look. Um, I mean, 
um, Sam Darnold. <laughs> Look, the Jets moving up with him. It didn't work. Well, why didn't it work? The biggest reason it didn't work is they. you don't even know what Sam Darnold is at this point because they didn't even put a good enough team around him. So the whole point is, to me, is how you develop a team around a player. Quarterback is the most important position. It's the most dependent. And I think we see certain guys in today's game that can do so many creative things. Mahomes, I think Justin Herbert's good, Josh Allen, but but why are they successful? A, because they're really good. B, they're really well coached, and they're on really good teams. Look at Mahomes. Uh, Good situation, well coached, tremendous creativity, a lot of weapons, a lot of things going for him, right? Um, Josh Allen, a lot of people were saying this guy's a bust. Year one, year two, look at how much better the Bills have gotten around him and look at how much he's grown. So I think it really it really comes down to how well you do with a team around him and what is it that you're looking for. I don't think Kyle, if he makes this decision with Mac that people expect, he's not making this. He doesn't want a quarterback that can create and improvise. He wants a guy that can run on offense, make good decisions, go through progressions, work the entire field from the pocket, and we're going to set the protections for you so that you can do that. We'll see if it works. But that that's what his plan is and his, and his goal is with that type of quarterback. And I think the fact that he's had success with guys like that in the past is the reason why I think he's leaning in that direction. That's Chris Landry. You can follow him on Twitter at LandryFootball. Chris, let's talk about Trey Lance. You mentioned him. This is a guy that maybe has some of the most questions as far as what he's capable of doing. We've only only seen him on the FCS level for the one year. He because he had it necessarily, but just because mm-hmm. of the opt out. Um, but this guy's got a, a lot of nice physical traits. He's got nice athleticism. Uh, of course, the competition is something to be questioned. Some people just weren't sure what they thought necessarily on his pro day. Some thought he wasn't NFL accurate. Others were impressed. Is it this? Is this somebody that has the potential to slide out of the top ten if the Niners don't take him at three, or is it pretty set that somebody's going to go up and get this guy? Well, I think that I, I think he'll go. I don't know about top ten, but you start looking at the numbers. You're looking at you know obviously two guys that will slide. I do think the guy that would slide the most probably would be Mac Jones. Cause I don't know, despite what we talked about with Kyle, I don't know that everybody wants that type of guy. Again, it's your style. I think that Lance and fields, I think people will go up and get him or try to, you know, you can, you can want to do a deal, but how far does somebody have to move down and what does their board say? So they may not want the quarterback or have a quarterback, but they may be a player there that's on their board because of the quarterback overvalue that you may have a guy that's top two or three on their board and if they move down eight spots, they lose that guy. So they, they may not want to move a deal, but they may not want to move their pick, but there'll be some teams that want to move up. I think Trey Lance has a lot of ability. Um, He reminds me a lot of Ryan Tannehill coming out of A&M. Neither one of them had a lot of football in their background. Tannehill mainly because he played receiver mostly um, until that last year. Trey's only started 25 games at quarterback his entire life, high school, college, everything. So he's very, very raw. 
But I got to tell you, this guy has got really good intangibles. He's got a strong arm. He is really good in the pocket. He is not as accurate outside the pocket. Um, Justin Fields, for example, is a little bit more accurate outside the pocket. But but this guy's got some ability and with an upside to be along the lines of what Josh Allen was. You know, I mean, talk about level of competition. But, you know, uh, that's a little bit overblown. I mean, there's there's certainly that, but there's certainly the talent that you do have with you. What is it is all about, you know, and over, you know, now 30, 35 plus years and doing this as a scout, it's about the transferable skills. And I think he has it, tangibles and intangibles. There again, how successful, where does he go? How well do they develop around him? I think that's the key, but I think he'll be successful. I think um, Justin Fields will be successful. I think Justin Fields is an outstanding talent in his own right. So I, I would be really, um, I would really encourage a lot of teams that are quarterback shopping to consider it. And you know, what's interesting is Brad is that I I don't know how many of these teams ever would have thought that maybe say Justin Fields would, would be there, you know, at seven or nine or, you know, whatever. So um, it might be interesting to see who might jump up and take a guy and surprise us. Chris, let's keep it local for, for myself and Spencer, the Wiz here in Las Vegas, the Raiders, we're finally going to have fans in the stadium, Allegiant Stadium this year. Uh, Spencer, a disgruntled Raiders fan, thinks they're going to blow the pick. Not a big fan of, <laughs> of Mayock and, and Gruden's selections. Um, he thinks Queedy Pay is, is a good I, I choice. I lost track. Of, I, I, I don't see him, so I forgot he's not there. There you go. Okay. There he is. There he, is. There uh, he, he would love Queedy Pay in the middle of the first round or, or a very solid defensive pick. Uh, Chris, what do you what do you think about the Raiders? They've got a lot of holes on the defensive side, uh, locally here in the papers. John Gruden, Mayock have told people that if there's quarterbacks available, that they're going to possibly grab them. The Fields falls. I have no idea. Gruden is capable of drafting anybody. He's draft uh, capable of drafting a quarterback. I don't know what's going to happen. Spencer is uh, on pins and needles. What do you think about the Raiders here? Well, don't don't get an ulcer about you know, what people are saying in the paper, because there's a reason why people say things, you know, it's, uh, I got a, um, a piece on LandryFootball.com that is just nothing but lies this time of year. If somebody's telling you about what they're thinking of doing, you can pretty much say it's to try to throw people off. So, um, I mean, I think it's fair to criticize, but let's do it after the draft. I don't know. Cause I, cause I don't, I don't know what they're going to do. I think I agree with you. I think there are a number of needs. I think there's needs uh, on the offensive. Um, uh, the offensive line has been a problem for them, and I agree with you defensively. I think there'll be a really good player there at 17. In fact, I know there will be, and you start looking at value. I think there'll be some good ones. Quiddy Pay would certainly be someone that's got a lot of upside. Is There's a good chance, you know, that he'll be there. Um so we'll have to see, but, but again, I wouldn't focus so much. Just, I think there'll be value with edge rushers there, but I think there'll be some other good players there that will slip. I think what's really important is that you get really good players. The problem with saying, well, we, I, my team needs X, let's go get that. I think what people miss is they see names and they think they know the player and they think that's the guy my team needs, and they 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 sell themselves in that mind. 
the player's not that good or not as good as you think. Get a good player because, first of all, a team like the Raiders, like a lot of teams, have a bunch of needs. But even if you don't have a need at a position and you think, man, what are they doing? They're stacking another position. A couple of things. You could be making a move with a veteran guy a year from now um, where where the what you think is the strength is not. And then, obviously, injuries, free agency. So I think getting good players is the key. And if you set your board regardless of need, then you go ahead and if you got players in the same grade tier, then you're free to take the best player within that same grade tier because, by definition, you've said that, hey, look, uh, these guys are equally as good. We can go a, a number of different directions. But, look, I think there'll be a – Really good value at offensive tackle, and I think there'll be a good defensive front player that can play, that can be an impact player. There'll be a good guy, and there'll be a good talent in the secondary. I think the real key, because Mayock doesn't make these decisions. Gruden makes all the decisions. Um, It's just trying to get Gruden. Gruden always likes his offensive toys. So I, I do think that there'll be value and need on the defensive side. That makes probably the most sense. Chris, Bill Belichick, uh, a lot of people talking, possibly he moves into the mix to have a quarterback in the first round. We haven't seen him do it ever. I think the highest he drafted a quarterback was 67. Since he's been the coach in New England, uh, would it surprise you? if the Patriots move into the mix and draft one of these top four or five quarterbacks somewhere in the top 15? No, it wouldn't, you know, having a, some guy named Brady kind of affects, you know, what you don't, they don't have to go real high <laughs> on them. Um, I've known Bill obviously work with him and, and look, I think that it, it, if they like one of those quarterbacks that slip, I, I think that I know they've been checking into, they're doing their due diligence like everybody I think they'd move into the top ten to to on a on a player if if they really liked them, but I also think that, you know, if their their board is kind of cleaned a little bit, I, I think they'd like to move down. They they tend to move down a lot, but um, I think there'll be a really good player there at fifteen, and and it very well could be a quarterback. Um, you know, and they may have to move up a little bit. I think we really need to watch a couple of things. One, I think Carolina is a potential sweet spot. I think that. That's where people may feel like they need to move, um, you know, to get one of those quarterbacks potentially. And so let's watch that. I think it's tough to go from 15 all the way to, say, four. 15 to eight is a little bit more doable. I do think that the uh, aforementioned Niner trade and the cost, and you, you alluded to it, that what if you're Carolina, how – first of all, if you're Carolina, let's say, just to pick him as an example – be a really good player there. How how good of a player is there? If if somebody like Panay Sewell slips there, probably you can't get him to move out of that. They'll probably take him. But if he's gone and let's say they like the receivers, but maybe their top one or two are gone, then they're more inclined to move. So here's the thing. I always tell folks all the time, people use that trade chart. And I ran our trade charts when I was built with Bill uh, in, in, in Cleveland and, and working some with him in New England and then certainly in my with the Titans and in the Orleans. You have to marry up your trade chart with your draft board on a given year, meaning you think 
that trading the eighth pick or the 10th pick or what have you and moving down 10 spots is going to get a certain point value based on some trade that was made in previous years. It's not the case because what if your board kind of says, I at six guys graded equally, I can move down five spots. Well, if the value is a second round pick, but you 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 only get a third, you're still getting getting a third is better than nothing. Whereas if you're trying to move and you really want to go after somebody, you might quote unquote overpay from a trade standpoint. I give you a quick story that when we drafted was involved drafting um, Javon Curse, we tried all morning to move up to get him because we just knew somebody was going to take him. I mean, we tried from you know eight to nine to ten to eleven to twelve, all the way to fifteen. We were at 16. We couldn't do a deal. He fell on our lap at 16. I said, well, that's lucky. The point was he was a difference maker for us. We wanted him. And I didn't want to run the risk of losing the guy. We just couldn't do a deal. And no one wanted to move. And I thought somebody, particularly Minnesota, was going to move ahead of us that year. And, and we just, you know, we got a little lucky. So I think there'll be a chance for some deals to be made. But it may not be as many as people think, just depending on you don't know until the board starts to fall down, because in order for somebody, somebody has to want to move up. And that means that there's somebody on their board that is really high that slipped a little lower than they thought. So they're coming up to get a guy. And then that has to be a team that maybe doesn't want that guy. You know, they like them, but they like other guys and they think there's better value deeper. So I think that is usually you do a lot of preliminary conversations about trades, and then you just kind of happen to, to let it happen organically. Chris, as we wrap it up here with you, uh, there's a couple teams I want to highlight. Certainly a couple, uh, a lot of Miami Dolphin fans that listen to the rest stop, diehard Dolphin fans. They seem to be excited from the outside looking in at the job Brian Flores has done, acquiring mm-hmm. draft capital, moving pieces around. Uh, they seem to have the future set to be built very strongly. What are your thoughts on Brian Flores and the job that they've done up to this point and what maybe they'd be looking for now that they're at the 10th spot? Well, um, first of all, I think he's done a great job creating a good culture there. Uh, I like the way that team played with the with a lot of toughness, and I think this year, you know, a lot's going to be put on Tua because they don't have that it's not this, I mean, it's going to be his team and he's not going to have the relief role uh, for, for Fitz. Um, so I, I think that things are going in the right direction. There's still some needs. There's still some holes there. What I like about them at six is that they're going to, because of the quarterback situation we've talked about, they're going to get one of three players. One of three players is going to fall to them. Jamar Chase, and in no particular order, Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts, Panay Sewell to throw out three. And, and maybe if they like one of the Alabama receivers there, I mean, they, they have that option. The point is, is they're not going to take a quarterback, and that means that they're in a position to get maybe the first, second, or third best player in their board that's a non-quarterback, assuming they've got Trevor Lawrence number one. What a great position to be in. There is an upside. And one of the, the reasons why so many people who don't have a quarterback have gone up to get one, 
look at the teams that have a quarterback or, or think they do. And I think it's fair to say jury's still out on Tui and been in the league long enough. But can you imagine being in a situation, you know, whether it's, you know, Buffalo or Kansas City or, you know, um, you know, the Chargers, you know, with Herbert, that's it's off their good start. You don't have to go and say, gotta find me a quarterback. If you think you got your quarterback now, whoever falls to you there, you you know, I think they got three guys that are all fit a need and they're all elite players. So I think they're in one of the best positions. Uh, I'm thinking Cincinnati's gonna take Chase. So I think he'll be off the board, but but who knows? I think the Dolphins are in really good shape. And then, you know, coming back, they've got they've got another opportunity at 18 to get a really good player there. I mean, maybe a guy like uh, Vera Tucker from USC that fits a need. There'll be a there'll be a really good tackle. So can you imagine if they come out of this with a, a Panesul, maybe a receiver, or maybe a receiver or pits? And come back with the with a tackle that's a little bit later or a tackle guard. What a what a great uh, addition they could add with their team. That's this has a chance to be a really good draft. And maybe look we look at that division and Buffalo right now is the the standard with the quarterback. If Miami's got the right quarterback, they're starting to build something special. New England will be back and competitive, but you know I think this makes this division a little bit more competitive, and the Dolphins can. Right in the mix with with a really good draft. Chris, give us a couple names at the quarterback position after the top four or five guys like Davis Mills, like Ian Book, like Kellen Mond, somebody that has an opportunity to contribute to a team, if not as a starter, maybe a starter down the road. Um, look, I, I don't think any of those guys are starters, including Trask. I'm not as high on Kellen Mond as others are. Um, I'm not going to sell Jamie Newman as a potent, as a starter, but I think he has some intriguing qualities. Um, and, and I think he has some value somewhere around the third round that I'd, I'd like to develop over time. I don't think he's as consistent. And, it, and again, I thought he hurt himself by not playing this year, but I think Shane Bouchelle is the guy that in the right situation could be a really good late round pick that could be a quality backup in the league, but I don't see Kyle Trask as a starter in the league. I don't see Davis Mills as a starter in the league. I don't see Mon as a starter in the league. As a starter, to define your question, I don't see that with them. I mean, I think they could start some games, but I don't think they're a starter player. I think the starter's in with the five, and we've touched on. And um, I, I think some can make a case that in the right situation, Trask would be the guy. But I, I'm trying to think if there's anybody that I would just throw in outside. Chris, of is Bouchelle the, the kid from Texas that went to SMU? Went to SMU, correct, yes. Okay. Absolutely. Yep, and then you got Sam Ellinger. Uh, he was definitely tough, but I don't know how he transitions. He, he just, you know, I worry about passing skills being good enough. But, but there's no question as a backup, uh, a guy that's a tough guy, a competitor. You know, guys like that that I think can be quality backups for a while. I mean, we've seen what Colt McCoy's done and, I think those guys, look, you can earn a nice living there. But I, I'm not going to try to pull a wool over anybody's eye and say, yeah, this this guy's going to be – this guy's got a chance to be a really good starter. I'm not seeing that with this group. And I think Ian Book falls in that category of a guy that can be competitive and a quality backup, but I can't sell him as a starter. I don't see that. 
Chris, let's tell everyone what you're working on for the draft. You've got some live podcasts, doing some live work, some exciting stuff for the draft this coming Thursday. Absolutely. Uh, we'll give you an alternative out there if you want a behind-the-scenes look. So uh, we're going to be doing a uh, live show Thursday, Friday, Friday, Saturday. We'll, we'll come on on, uh, on many of these channels on the twitch.tv slash Chris Landry Football Channel and go to LandryFootball.com, follow Chris on Twitch. Click on that. You'll be able to catch the show live. It will also be on uh, Facebook and YouTube as well. Uh, Landry Football on both of those. So we're going to take you through the draft. I, I will be doing my work with teams, but, you know, a lot of texting, a lot of DMs, and I'll be taking you behind the scenes. What's going on behind the scenes? Kind of getting you prepared for the picks and, you know, what may be happening and maybe – even give you an idea where the picks are going, maybe even before they're officially announced. So we'll kind of take you behind the scenes, pull back the curtain a little bit. Um, <laughs> Spencer, I'll be doing the show solo. So I'm just going to kind of be, Hey, look, I'm here doing work. You join me and it's going to be a while. And so I think it'll be a lot of fun. I encourage everybody to check out LandryFootball.com. I really a problem we've been able to do there. So we've got the horizontal boards, which is the, best overall players and where the cutoff points in each categories we've got the vertical boards which are the position boards do the same thing there at each position got scouting reports detailed scouting reports on all these players whether it's trevor lawrence or an undrafted free agent we'll have them there we take each and every 32 team and go on the clock inside the film room we'll break down everything that they've done in free agency their their pre-draft depth charts grade the players that they've signed as free agents, lost as free agents. We'll take you through each of their picks and take, not only tell you what, what the overall needs, but each of the picks, who would be the targets in each of the rounds. So we got it covered for you. Like the draft, you know, it's it's like having your own scouting department for less than a magazine subscription. So check it all out at LandryFootball.com. You can catch all the podcasts, everything over there. Chris, I really appreciate a little time. We're looking forward to seeing all you're going to do for the draft in 2021. Have a great night, my friend. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. Keep up the great work. Talk soon. Hey, Brad, I think you're muted <laughs> for your outro here. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Spence. Uh, I want to thank Chris Landry. Thanks, Spencer the Wiz. Everyone enjoy the draft on Thursday. Uh, we'll be back on Tuesday for the rest stop. So enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the draft. And uh, I want to thank Spence. I want to thank Chris Landry. And we'll see you back on Tuesday. Have a great night. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.